This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, this week's parsha. And Yaakov went out of Be'er and he came to Choron. And we all know the story. So there's a whole medrash on this that he actually was being taken by Malachim. And they skipped over Haram Maria. And he said, no, I got to go back. It's a very holy place. It's where the Akedah Sitzchak was. That's where the Beis Hamidj is going to be built. And I need to go down to Mayriv. Right, and, and um, the sun set, and he had to, and he had, and he had to daven, and he had to go to sleep. He took from the stones of that place, he put them under his head, and he went to sleep. Okay, so it says me'avne from the stones. Right, he took. It sounds like from the stones, many stones. and he dreamt. So there was a ladder standing on the ground, and the top of the ladder was touching the Shemayim. And the angels were going up and down this ladder. And who was on the top of this ladder? God was on top of this ladder. And he said, I am God, the God of Avram, your father, and the God of Yitzchak. The land that you're laying on, I'm going to give to your children. The Medrash says, Hashem folded the whole earth to stroll underneath him, and all that belongs to Klai Okay. He wakes up, and he says, Behold, God is in this place. One second. You came all the way back from where you were to David in this place, because the, the base of is going to be built there. You knew that Akedas Yitzhak was there. So what do you mean, oh my gosh, this is a holy place where Neichel Yadati, you didn't know. You did know, that's why you came back. What do you mean you did not, I, I did not know? Right, okay, one question. Vayira, and he became very scared. Vayira, and he said, Ooh, this is an awesome place. Isn't this the house of God and the, and the gate of Shemayim? Okay, woke up, and he took the stone. So everyone knows the famous measures, the famous story. There were a bunch of stones, and they all got, they each one said, lay on my head, and they were fighting with each other, says Rashi, and they became one stone. Right? A miracle. And he took this stone, and he made, and he anointed it, and he made it into a matzeva. So the question is, we know that God doesn't do miracles just for nothing. So let a bunch of stones have a fight. Who cares? Why do you have to put them all together as one stone? Hashem made a huge miracle. He took 12 stones, he made them into one stone, let them kill each other. So what's going to happen if a bunch of stones have a fight? So you get some sand. Right? What's going to happen? Let them kill each other. Put the stones bang into each other. Maybe we'll get a spark, you know? Who cares? Why did Hashem make a miracle to take all these stones and make it one stone? Hashem makes miracles for stones. Right? So how do you understand that? So we're going to hit some heavy stuff tonight. Um, this is a brand new share that I never gave before. Actually, I gave it this morning. Um, but besides that, I never gave it before. So we have to look into a couple of questions here. Number one, there's another question here. When he was dreaming, God was on top of the ladder, and God said to him, I am Hashem, the God of Avram, your father. Was Avram Yaakov's father? No. He was Yaakov's grandfather. So why is Hashem saying, Avram, your father? And then... When it comes to Yitzchak, it doesn't say it's his father. Now, okay, Yitzchak, I am the God of, ya- of Avram, your father. 
And I'm the God of Yitzhak, but it doesn't call Yitzhak Yaakov's father. Why didn't Hashem call Yitzhak Yaakov's father? What's going on over here? Right? Strange question, strange situation over here. So there's a chidah, which is a mind-boggling chidah. Which Hashem, I hope to speak about at the Gura Convention. And the, on, on Sunday in the Gura Convention. And I want to tell you, it's an unbelievable chidah, and it shook me. And the chidah says the following. The chidah says the following. He asked the question. I have to read it from inside because anyone you're going to say this to will not believe that such a thing is written. So if you don't say you heard it written inside, your husbands or your fathers will not believe that there's such a chidah. But this is what the chidah says. And what an important lesson to all of us. Why doesn't Hashem call, why does Hashem call Avram the grandfather, father, and Yitzhak he doesn't call father? Tema! It's strange, I have a big kasha. Shekarul is Aviv, he's calling his grandfather father. And to his father, he doesn't even call him a father. He just says Yitzchak. Nearly, it appears to me, Yaakov lived at the same time as his grandfather Avram. And the Medjah says that he used to learn with him 15 hours a day. The two of them used to learn together. And, and Avram was very fond of his grandson Yaakov. Because Avram loved Yaakov so much, he used to call him Bini. Instead of calling him grandson, he used to call him my son. Therefore, since Avram Avinu, his grandfather, called his grandson my son, Hashem said that in my world, in Shemayim, we will also call him your son. Wow. So we see from here, that a person who treats a child, whether it's your own child, or your grandchild, or your son, if you treat him like a, like your son, and you call him your son, then in Shemayim Hashem also calls him your son. And here's where the Chidot says something which is unbelievable. But Yitzchak, Yitzchak who loved Esav HaRasha, Yaisimimenu, more than Yaakov, Hashem said, you don't call your son Yaakov Bini. Therefore, as far as I'm concerned, I'm also not calling your son Yaakov your son. So what the Chidah is saying over here is that because Yitzchak showed more love to Esau, didn't give Yaakov the attention that his grandfather Avram gave him, didn't call him Bini. So when HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared to Yaakov in a dream, he said, I am the God of Avram, your father, the God of Yitzchak. He's not, I don't consider him your father. Wow. That's hard words from the Chidah. Okay. He goes on. He says, okay. So if that's the case, so if a kid has a, a father that doesn't give him attention, and Shemayim doesn't consider him like his father, so the kid has a right to say, if Hashem doesn't consider you, me your son, so why do I have to behave like I'm your son? So the Chidot says no. Why? Because later on it says, Yaakov brought Karbanos to the father of his, to the God of his father called Yitzchak. Even though he was closer to Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was considered his father. But Avram Avinu called him Beni. But when it comes to 
to, that's when, I, that's when Hashem has a right to say. But when it comes to Yaakov, Yaakov has a mitzvah kibbutz of aim no matter what. And therefore, Yaakov doesn't say the, when Yaakov's repeating it, he doesn't say the God of my father Avraham. He has to say the God of my father Yitzchak. So even though Yitzchak didn't give him the attention, the child still has the mitzvah of kibbutz of aim, and he cannot call his father anything else but his father. So from this chidah, we see something very scary. From this chidah, we see that a person who gives his child attention and calls his child b'ni, then, then, then in the, in the Torah, in the Torah, like Baruch Hu, he's considered his child. But a person who, who, he has a child, physically has a child, or a daughter, it doesn't have to be b'ni, it could be, it could be biti, right? We physically have a child, but we don't give that child any, the attention and the love. And we don't call them my son. Right? Then automatically, as far as a God is concerned, he's not your son. And it's very interesting, because any sentence that, um, and, and I do this in parenting, when I give parenting classes, no matter how angry you are at your child, if the opening sentence is, instead of, let's say your child's name is Yehuda, right? You're very, very angry at your child, you just did something very wrong. So you get up and you scream, Yehuda, what are you doing? I told you not to do this, right? Well, what happens if you do a prefix to that and you say, my son Yehuda, you can't scream like that. My son Yehuda, how can you do something like that? Once you say, my son Yehuda, it's going to come out differently. My daughter Malki, you, you can't take it to the next, try it, don't try it. But, but if you were to try it, you would see, my daughter Malki, uh, you can't take it, what are you doing? It's like, Malki, what are you doing? I don't understand what you're doing. But say, my daughter Malki, once you say, my daughter, BT or Beni, you, you can't be on that level of anger. So, so if you look in the, if you look, it's unbelievable this chidah, but if you look in the Chumash, in last week's parasha, right? So, so Yaakov is fooling his father, right? He's, um, he's stealing the Bechorah. So, so, so Yitzchak didn't know, he thought it was Esau. So now let's look at the discussion, this is unbelievable chidah. Listen, look, look at the discussion, right? Um, between Yaakov, between Yitzchak and his son Esav, and Yitzchak and his son Yaakov. Okay? So he calls, um, he, listen to the first pasuk in, in this whole thing. Chav Zayim pasuk Aleph. By Yitzchak and Yitzchak, Yitzchak became old, but Chena Enov Meros, he could not see. By Yikra as Esav ben Nohagadol, and he called Esav his oldest son. By Yoma Elov, and he said to him, what did he say to him? Bini! Esav. Beni, my son. What did Esav say? I'm here. Okay. He tells him to go out. Now, Yaakov comes, and Yaakov is making believe he's Esav. Okay? So here we go. And he comes to his father. Now his father thinks he's Esav. Vayomer Avi. And he says, Dad, my father, Vayomer, Hineni, mi ata bini. Who are you, my son? Thinking that it's Esav. Vayomer Yaakov el Aviv. Yaakov says to his father, Anoichi Esav b'chayrecha. I am Esav, your, your, your b'chor. He doesn't, Yaakov, when he talks to his father Yitzchak, he doesn't say, I'm your son. He doesn't say, I'm Esav, your son. He says, I'm Esav, your b'chor. Right? Thinking that it's still Esav. 
How did you find the food so fast, my son? So he said, uh, it was a, it was a lucky, uh, Hashem sent them to me. But Yom Yitzchak Yaakov, listen to how many psukim he says this. So Yitzchak says to Yaakov, thinking that Yaakov is Esav, Gishana, come close, Vamushcha bini, let me feel you, my son. Ha'atozeh bini Esav, is this my son Esav? Okay. Then, Vayomer, he says, in Pasuk Havdalit, Atazer b'ni Esav. Is it you, my son Esav? Okay. He continuously um, calls him b'ni. Next Pasuk. Come here, let me eat from the, the food of my son. Come close to me. And give me a kiss. Right? Continuously read. Then he says, I see the reich of my son. Continuously calls him Bini. Okay. And now, later on, you'll never see here, let's just take a look. He doesn't call, he doesn't call Yaakov his son. He only calls Esau his son. All the way at the end. Wow, it's crazy. Pasuk Hey by Shvi, by Yishak Yitzchak is Yaakov. Doesn't say his son. By Yikra Yitzchak or Yaakov, Yitzchak called to Yaakov. Doesn't say his son. Doesn't say Bini when he's talking to Yaakov. In the whole parsha. He calls Esav every Pasuk Bini, but he doesn't call Yaakov in one Pasuk Bini. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the dream, doesn't give Yitzchak, just says, okay, Yitzchak, I am the God of Yitzchak, and doesn't give him the word of Icha. How careful all of us have to be, how we talk to our children, and to make sure that when we talk to our children, we, we talk to them as our children, and we call them our, my son, my daughter, my son, my daughter, you know, if the name is Rifki, Rifki, my daughter, I need to talk to you. Rifki, my daughter, how how you doing? How you feeling? To add that word, my daughter, my son, it's an extra word, but it means so much. You see that Yitzchak got punished over here. I mean, whatever you want to say, when Akhazvarfu came in the dream, he didn't use the, he didn't use the word of Icha because he said that by Esau, but he didn't say that by him. Okay. Let's talk about this ladder for a moment. Okay. Let's talk about this ladder and also about these stones. So it's just very interesting. It's very lumdish, uh, the, the whole sto- story with the stones. The story with the stones is as follows. So you had these stones, and you had, and, and Yaakov wanted to put his head down and to rest. Now there was a stone called the Evan Shasia. The Evan Shasia is the stone that God created the whole world with, and that's the stone that was the Mizbeach that Yitzchak was put on the Akedas Yitzchak. When Yaakov came up there, he wanted to lean his head on that stone. He wanted to go to sleep. It's the holiest part. It's actually in the mosque, in the gold mosque now in Israel. That's the Evan Shasia. It's the holy. So he wanted to, not lay on the stone, but lean on the stone. But there was a problem. The halacha is you're not allowed to use something that's holy, that's kodesh. And since the, this stone was used as a mizbeach, so there was a problem sleeping on it, using it. You're not, it's called mi'ilah. You're not allowed to use something that belongs to the, Unless you have an animal that belongs to the base of Megdash, you can't use it to plow your field. You're not allowed, it's called mi'ilah. You're not, it's stealing from Hegdash. So there was a problem over here for him to put his head on the stone. So the other stone said, Yaakov, 
or the malachim of the other stone said, you can't put your hand on that stone. That stone was used for Mizbeach. You can't use a stone that's used for Mizbeach. But the halacha in Me'ila is that you're not allowed to use the thing from Hegdish, from holiness, the way you usually use it. Right? If you have a needle that belongs to Hegdish, right? So you can't use the needle to sew things but, or to pick out a, a splinter. But to take the needle and put it as a bookmarker in my chidah, I would be allowed to use that because that's not the normal use of a needle. The normal use of a rock is not putting your head on it and going to sleep. So, the malachim of the other stone said, you can't put your head on that. It's Kaddish. It was, a, it was an akedah. Yaakov Avinu said, no, you're wrong. I'm not using it for the normal use of a stone. So it was a suffix. Is he allowed to do it? Or isn't he allowed to do it? So the other angel, Hashem really wanted him to put his head on there because his whole dream, the, 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 this, this stone is perpendicular with the Shari Shamayim. So, but the problem was that the other stones, right? The other stones were saying, you have a suffix. Maybe you're allowed to put your head on this. Maybe you're not because it's holy. But since you have us and we're regular stones, you surely can put your head on the regular stones. So they were having a bakurach, a fight. That was the fight. So what did Hashem do? He took all the stones and he made it part of that stone. Once Hashem made all the stones part of that stone, there was no other stone. So it was all from a Kaddishtik stone. So at that point, he had nowhere else to put his head, so he put his head on that stone. So Hashem didn't make a miracle for no reason. He made a miracle because otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to put his head on the Mizbeach. He wouldn't have been able to lean on the Mizbeach. Because it was a suffix, is it holy, is it not only am I allowed to use it, am I not allowed to use it? But now that all the stones became part of that stone, there was no more suffix. He had nowhere else to put his head. And therefore he was allowed to do it. And that was the whole, the Chidot says, that was the whole story with the stones. But I want, I want to talk about the latter. So, the ladder is very interesting. Because we always ask this question every year, why did Hashem make a ladder? Angels have wings. Right? Yechaskel saw in his dream, he saw this whole thing, and angels have six wings. So why aren't they flying to Shemayim? Why are they going up a ladder? And if they're not flying to Shemayim, why aren't they walking up steps? Stay away to heaven, walk up steps. What are you going up a ladder for? Right? There's no fire, it's not, you're not a fireman, why are you going up a ladder? So the, the dream was a representation. Why did Hashem use a ladder? An escalator, an elevator, uh, steps, a road, a ramp, right? You, you, if you if you went to sleep tonight, you're not going to imagine a bunch of angels. First of all, how many angels can go on a ladder, right? You're talking about this is the gate of Shemayim. They're going up, hundreds are going up and down. What kind of ladder was this? So why did, why did Hashem show them a ladder? So it's a very, very famous answer. And the famous answer is that a ladder is the only thing that when, whether you're going up or whether you're going down, you're always looking up. If you go down a road, you're looking down. If you go down steps, you're looking down. Right? But a ladder, when you're going up the ladder, you're looking up. When you're going down the ladder, you're looking up. Because you're going down the ladder rung by rung. Right? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said in the dream, Hashem needs of Olav. The ladder leans on the, if you have a, right, a ladder, and this is the wall. So the ladder leans on the upper part most of the, of the ladder. That's what touches the wall. So Hashem said, if Hashem needs of Olav, I'm on top of the ladder. And therefore, your life is in this ladder. All of us in this room, we have good days and we have bad days. We go up the ladder, we go down the ladder. As one of the girls in my seminary said, but you have got to stay on the ladder. In his dream, the angels were on the ladder. Once you get off the ladder, it's over. So, so even if life is bad, you got to stay on the ladder. What does it mean to stay on the ladder? The ladder leans on God. 
So that means staying on the ladder is looking up the ladder, whether you're having a bad day or you're having a good day, whether you're going up the ladder or down the ladder. That's part of life, going up and down the ladder. But understanding that a ladder, no matter whether you're going up or down, you always have to look up. And what's at the top of the ladder? Hashem says in the dream, Hashem needs a bolo. I'm on the top of the ladder, which is a very important thing. People think that God... He's with me, he's not with me, he is with me, he's not with me. This should have done that, he was not listening to me, he is listening to me. No, the dream says, the ladder always leans on me. Who's going up and down? Not me, says Hashem. I'm not going up and down. I'm not sometimes listening to you, sometimes not, you know, yes listening, sometimes not listening. I am the steady. I am what your life ladder is leaning on. I am always there. You are going up the ladder, and you're going down the ladder, and it's okay. As long as you're on the ladder. And that's what the Malachim was showing. But there's a very interesting point that I want to talk about. So, so, so many of us work very, very hard. Whether in the physical world, whether in the spiritual world, we work very hard. And sometimes we get to this place, this plateau. We went to Israel, we went to this, whatever you took on yourself. And, and you grow and you grow and you climb step by step by step by step. And then all of a sudden something happens. Boom, you slide down that ladder, me included. You grew, you grew, and then something happens, and everything you worked on, you know, I don't watch movies, I don't watch movies, and then there's this one movie, and you're on an airplane, you start watching it, and all of a sudden, oh my God, I watched the whole movie, I can't believe it, right? And then what do we do, like we do on any streak, once we break it, now I watch every movie, right? It's like a diet. You lose weight, you lose weight, you work, and you work, and you work, and let me tell you, it's very hard, it's even harder, I think it's harder for a boy to lose weight than a girl, even though boys lose weight much faster. But it's much harder because what do, what do guys do? We eat chulant and kishka and kugel and grieven and pacha and potato chips and franks and burgers and fat ribs and all this fat meat and all this stuff. And most girls not going to eat, you know, ribs and four franks while they're waiting online to get the food, right? Most girls don't do that. So, so guys, you know, so, and, and it's very hard to lose weight because like, like, like whenever I'm on a diet, I'm trying to lose weight and I come to a wedding, Right, in fact, right after this year, I'm going to a wedding, and you come to this wedding, and on the boy's side is all that food, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm on a diet, I have to eat a salad. So somehow, you have to get to the women's side, because the women have all the salads. They have the mushroom salad, and this salad, and that salad. So like, what are you doing on this side? It's like, uh, I came to get a salad. Oh, you're so wimpy. You came to the girl's side to get a salad. Right, so, but, but it's hard work, and you work very, very hard. And, and your mama, she, you do two years. I don't know if you remember when I lost all that weight for my daughter's wedding. I lost all this weight and I'm on the treadmill until I broke my leg. I'm on the treadmill every day and I feel good and I go up the steps and I feel good and I look good and I feel good and I can breathe and it's like you're just a person. I'm back on the court. I'm playing racquetball. Fantastic. You break your leg. I broke my leg. Right out the window. That was it. Finished. Why does breaking your leg change what you're eating? I don't know, but I broke my leg. I'm not on the treadmill. I'm not on the treadmill. Then I already broke my whole thing because I was always on the treadmill and that was part of my diet. So that went out the door and then that went out the door and chocolate came in the door and potato chips came in the door and a lot of other good things came in the door, right? So it's, so it's very, very hard and, and you fall down these steps. I'm just giving an example of a, of a, of a physical thing. The best thing is, to, is a diet. You know, you, you lose that weight and you work so hard and you have these great friends and they love you so much and you just lost 40 pounds. You look better than all of them, right? And they, and they're like, ah. Oh, it's, it's what's the name? It's Chinese birthday. When you come to the restaurant, you're like, you know, restaurants are very hard for me. You know, no, don't worry. You're so strong. They tell you you'll have the diet coleslaw and the diet potato salad. And, you know, everything's gonna be diet. And you sit there and you do so well, and then they come up with a birthday cake, right? And you're like, no, not for me. And you're like, no, I, I'm on, I'm on a diet. And they're like, 
Come on. This is stupid. This is crazy. It's your birthday. What's going to happen with a piece of cake? You're going to be on the treadmill tomorrow. You're going to work it off. And you're like, well, it's a pretty good excuse, you know? And then you have that piece of cake. And you get on the, on the scale the next day, and you gain two ounces. And you're like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I broke my diet. Okay, what's for breakfast? And 90 pounds later, right? You work so hard. That's called falling off the ladder. That's not going up and down the ladder. That's falling off the ladder. What's going up and down the ladder? And I think this is a very, very important point in all of our lives, in all of our psyches. So I was, we went up, me and my high school, went up Bear Mountains two weeks ago, two and a half, three weeks ago. So we climb Bear Mountains. It's autumn and the, the, the trees are changing. And I take the girls up every single year, but every single year I get older and slower and it's harder to breathe. It's a very vertical mountain and I don't go through the path. I go off the path, off the derach. That's when Wallace goes off the derach, going up this mountain. And it's, it's Baruch Hashem, they didn't catch on yet because I'm old and they're young and they're ready to fly up the mountain and I can't breathe, but I can't show the girls that I can't breathe. I'm a guy, right? So, I stop every five feet. Oh, I want everyone to know here, it's true, Red Wallace, he took a whole nature thing, and now let me show you what poison ivy looks like. Okay, everybody stop, see this shiny leaf, and they're all, wow, wow. I'm like, okay, let's go. Another 10 steps, they have these acorns, and you can use the tops as whistles in emergency. So I'm giving them a whole lesson that if you're stuck in the woods, it's very high-pitched, if you use the high thing, right? And they're like, wow, Red Wallace, you're amazing. Every 10 feet, he's teaching us something new. Meanwhile... I'm just making up stuff because I can't breathe, right? And I got to get up this mountain. So I'm making up all these stories, you know? Fine. So this year, I knew that I, I was totally out of shape. So instead of going in the front of the line, I went in the back of the line. So I'm with the girls that are having a hard time climbing the mountain. So everybody's way ahead of us. It's like, Rabbi Wallerstein! So they're like five miles up the mountain already. And I'm with these three girls, and we're chugging. It's like... You know, you girls really need to sit down. You look very, your faces are all flustered. You're all red. You, you must be getting headaches. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Really, we should sit down. Meanwhile, they didn't need to sit down. I need to sit down. Right? I'm sitting down. I'm like, oh, you're looking better after 20 minutes. Anyway, we get to half the mountain. Okay, this mountain's really big mountain. We get to half the mountain. And these three girls sit down and say, Rabbi, we're not going any further. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. We're in the middle of this mountain. And I'm not going back down. And then climbing back up. So... I can't let you go down because there's no path by yourselves. We have to do the whole mountain. So we're going to have to do the rest of this mountain. And they look down the mountain. You look down, and we're really high up. And they're like, look how much we did already. We don't have to do it anymore. I'm like, I'm telling you, all the girls are going to make it. Tomorrow, you're going to feel so bad they made it and you didn't make it. And they're like, we don't care. We are happy that we got this far. And I'm like, what am I going to do with them? They're not going. They're sitting on the floor. They're not going. How am I going to get them up the mountain? So I came up with this brilliant idea. I said to them, listen girls, let's turn the switch in our psyche. We did not start climbing yet. We are starting from this point. You didn't do half the mountain. Don't be happy with yourselves. You did nothing. Somehow, we landed where we are right now. And this is where we're starting to climb the mountain. And they're like, Rabbi, don't give us your gibberish talk. We climbed half the mountain. We didn't somehow get here. We're not going any further. I'm like, if you don't turn your psyche, you will not be able to go up anymore. But if you feel that you're starting from this point, I promise you we're going to make the whole mountain. But we came in a little bit later than the other girls. 
But we got there, we got to the top, and the funny thing is, which is so true in life, that um, when we got to the top, they turned to me and they looked at me and they said, ugh, it was much easier than we thought. <laughs> Rabbi, can we climb this mountain every day? <laughs> I'm like, do you remember what was going down on in the middle of the mountain? And they're like, no, we thought it was much harder. So what happened? What happened? Even if they slide down the whole mountain, these three girls know that if next week I tell them let's do the mountain, they know in their psyche, imprinted in their psyche, is we can climb that mountain. We have been to the top. We can do it. Which will give them the energy to do it anytime they want. Even though they slid all the way down the mountain. It, it's the same thing in dieting, right? So, so somebody who never lost weight and never felt good, and you're telling them, the doctor says, listen, if you lose weight and you get your sugar down and you get your blood pressure down, <coughs> you have to take no more medicines, you're going to feel like a new person, you're going to have crazy energy, you're like, thank you very much, that person will not go on a diet, will not change their lifestyle. Why? Because they never felt that. They don't know what it feels like. So if you don't know what it feels like, I can't talk you into it. But if, if you know what it feels like, then it's, it's starting at that point. It's not slipping all the way down. If you have this point of reference, we call it, that you made it to on that ladder. I made it to point to step 100. So step 100 is no more 100 steps away. I can go to step 100 and say, I've been here before. So now, like I did on the mountain, now I can go from here. It's the same thing in spirituality. It's the same thing. You went two years, you didn't speak one word of Lashon Hara. And then all of a sudden you get into this Lashon Hara group. Except it's not Lashon Hara group not speaking Lashon Hara. It's a Lashon Hara group that only speaks Lashon Hara. Right? And you get this, you go out for lunch with this group of girls and you're always talking Lashon Hara. And you're, and, 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 and you're like, I, I can't, I love it. I love to talk bad about other people. It's great. I, I'm a gossip monger. I love gossip. Right? Well, often, what should I do? And I'm like, but for two years, what did it feel like when you came to the table and all the girls were talking, they're like, oh, Shoshana's here. She doesn't speak Lashon Hara. Okay, we have to stop. Isn't that an amazing feeling? Can you go back and remember that feeling? If you can go back and remember that feeling, then you could stop talking Lashon Hara. But if you never stop talking Lashon Hara, and your whole life you talk Lashon Hara, and you don't know that feeling, you won't be, you won't be able to stop. So the Sulam is Eulin Riyodimbo. Yeah, they got to a certain point, boom. They got back to that point, took two more steps, boom. But every time you make those two more steps, you get to a point where we call a point of reference. And that's where you start from the next time. So don't fall off the ladder. So you so you had a piece of cake. So you gained a pound. So go work it off the next morning. Big deal. So work it off. It's not the end of the world. Don't jump off the ladder, right? Because you broke your streak. All right. So you, so you step down. In Ruchnius, we make mistakes. So yes, you were shame with this and shame with that and shame with this. And you made a mistake. So that doesn't mean that all of a sudden drop everything and, and become the worst person in the world. Go back to the feeling of when things, when you're able to control it. It's, it's the same thing in marriage. So, you know, a lot of people come to me for, 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 for marriage counseling. I'm not the biggest marriage counselor, but, but I deal with a lot of people. And the first question I ask when a husband and wife come in, they're married 10 years, 12 years, it doesn't make a difference. The first question is, were, were you ever happy? Were the two of you ever crazy about each other? Were you ever happy? Were you happy for a year? Were you happy for two years? Were you happy for three years? And they tell me, Reverend Wallstein, this is a disaster. I went to my chuppah and I knew that this marriage wouldn't work. We have never had a day together that worked. We don't like each other. We started screaming after the, after in the yichud room. Instead of being nice to each other, we were yelling at each other. So I'm like, I can't help you. What do you mean? Maybe you can make, maybe you can make shalom bias. I'm like, what's my reference? 
We, you don't have a history of liking each other. How can I make you like each other? I can't make you like each other. But if you love each other the first two years and you were crazy about each other, and then she had a baby and she had a little postpartum and he lost his job and there was pressure and the kid was colicky and they had to move and they went from city to city and all this stuff that caused them to separate and caused a break in this marriage. So now I have a point of reference. I need to get them back to those great times. Weren't they great times? Do you remember those great times? Okay, leave the kids in my house. Well, not in my house, but leave the kids by your in-laws or whatever it is and go away for a week. And, and, and try to get back to what you had the first two years. We got a shot. We got a shot. Cause we have something to build on. There was a good time. So you're at that point in the ladder. Now we'll try to take you. You fell. You fell. But you know what it's like to be, to be good with each other. We have a chance to get it back. But if you were never good with each other, there's no point of reference. There's nothing I can do. So the malachim were them. They never stayed in the same place. They were going up and down. They were going up and down. But as they were going up, they were gaining and gaining. And then you start from there and you go further. But if they would have been at the first rung and never got up, they stood at the bottom of the rung. Or if they were off the ladder, there's nothing that a person could do. This sulam that he saw in his dream was a very important lesson to Yaakov because Yaakov also went through a lot of ups and downs. Dina, the story with Shem, and Rachel dying, and, and Yosef being stolen, ending up going down to Mitzrayim. He went, he went through a lot of oil and reorient the boy, and he even set the pile, had a miserable life, had a very tough life. It was a very, very up and down. But he always had that reference of what he accomplished, not to jump off the ladder, but to go back, and, and especially more by women than by men. You should know this. More by women by, by, by men, they're miyayish, very easy. That you, 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 you work, and then if you get, if you slip, you don't get up. Because women are much more emotional. It's like, I did all this work, Ah, it's not worth, well, it's not worth anything anymore. Look what I am today. And I'm like, don't you remember those years when you were in the day or you were in seminary? Those good years. Don't you remember when you went to the Kaiso and you cried your eyes out? Right? So now that you, you came back to America and you lost it all. You're talking to boys. You're watching movies. You're totally Americanized. You're totally in gullus. Right? That's it. I'm finished. You're not finished. Go back to the Kaiso in your mind. Go back to those days. How, 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 how well you felt in the physical world and in the spiritual world. Go back to those days. And start from there. That's the middle of the mountain, I told these girls. Start your climb from there. Don't start from all the way on the bottom. Start from where you got to already spiritually. And that's the only way you can build spiritually. If you're going to slide all the way back to the bottom, then you know what these girls, if I would have taken them all the way back to the bottom, and they would have said, you know what, let's try again, we would have gotten to half the mountain. And then we said, let's try again, let's go all the way back to the bottom, let's try again, they would have gotten to half the mountain. They would have never made the whole mountain. The whole chiyas was, that they were starting in the middle of the mountain. And that was their starting point. Where you got to, in your, even if you fell, but if your mind, where you got to at one point, is your starting point, then you can, then I can make Shalom bias. If we could do that starting point of, when you got married 10 years ago, let's go back to that, let's start from there, and build Shalom bias from there, we're going to have a crazy marriage. We're going to have an amazing marriage. If we're going to go all the way back, start all the way back from the beginning, we're going to end up going through another 12 years of this. And that's what a person has to learn. It's, it's a very important lesson. And I want you to know that this lesson was told to me by a girl in my seminary. When I gave this year, she came over to me and she told me this. She said, Ray Wallace, you have to talk about this. She said, because us girls, we come here on such a spiritual high. And the minute we slip, we totally crack. We, it's like we mamish go backwards worse than before we went to Israel. So because we're streakers. We diet streaking, we exercise streak, we do something, and when we break the streak, we fall apart. 
and and that's not oilim biyordim boy. Then you're you're going to end up off the ladder. You're going to end up any nowhere. So a person has to go back to a point of reference in in their life of what you the highest point that you got, and that's where you're starting. That's how these girls made them out. Then of course when you get up there, it's like uh, that wasn't hard. I could do that any time because once you get there, then you're able to climb from you know from that point. And we are much higher place than you think we are. Every Jew has an neshama. There's a very beautiful marshal that's brought down to, to give you a, a picture of a Jewish person's neshama and a person who's not a, 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 non, a non-Jewish person. And the marshal that they give is this huge mountain that these people have to climb. And they climb in this mountain and it's like Mount Everest. And it takes them weeks and this one broke his arm and this one's bloody. This one has stitches and their clothing's all ripped and they're filthy. Their hands are all scratched. And finally they get to the top of the mountain and their mamish gets schlepped and gets shriven and, and tired and half of them are sick and half of them are oxygen. Crazy climb. All of a sudden, this 14-year-old boy comes walking by on the top of the mountain. Dressed, tie, suit, clean, no bumps, no nothing. And this whole crew that just got to the top of the mountain, like, where did he come from? He came up the mountain in a suit, clean, no scratches, nothing. Call him over here. They call the boy over and they're like, we killed ourselves. Ropes and chains were bloody. We're sick. We're on oxygen. And you, you're walking around up here in a suit and a tie with shine shoes. How'd you do it? He looked at them strange. He says, wait a minute, how'd I do it? I was born up here. I didn't have to climb the mountain. I have a family. We have a house. I was born up here. Welcome. Hi. How you guys doing? And they're like, you were born up here? You know how lucky you are? Do you know what it took for us to get up here? The nimshal is that the rest of the world, to get to the bottom of a Jewish soul, to get to that level of spirituality, have to work and fast and do all kinds of crazy stuff to get a little bit of spirituality. But Klai Yisrael... We're born up here. We're born on the top of the mountain. We are given when we're born a holy, holy neshama. We're there. We're, we live on top of the mountain. You have to realize that. We live. You're a neshama. So you're starting on top of the mountain. You're already on top of the mountain. So you can say, well, the only way is down. No, you have to build something on the top of this mountain. A beautiful tower, a beautiful castle, whatever you have to build. But we are neshamas are so holy. We are on top of the mountain. Don't let the something tell you that you're this and you're that and you're lost and you're this and you're that and you're not from and you're that. You are born. You're a Jewish person. The Mishnah in Perkei says that Akash Baruch Hu calls us Banim Atem Hashem. We are the children of God. The children of the king live in the castle. The castle is on top of the mountain. And that's what he said, Yaakov Avinu, when he woke up. He said, What an unbelievable, awesome place this world is. The whole world is the house of God. Don't just think when you're sitting in shore you have to beat sneers and you can't have your cell phone on and you can't look at things you're not supposed to. A person has to know that the whole world is base Elohim. Your room in your house is a room in Baruch's palace. It's no different than a room being here. It's no different than being in Shul and Yom Kippur. The whole world is based on Lokim. By Yira Yaakov. Yaakov said, Oy, oy, oy. I was in Yeshiva the last 14 years. Now I'm on Har Maria. How am I going to live with Lavan? And it's going to be a Beis Elokim. The whole world is a Beis Elokim. 
And my Naira Hamakamahu, the mitzvahs, how easy it is to get the mitzvahs in this world. You have no idea. Just, a, just, a, I, I don't want to show up, but just a story, um, that happened by me, with me in Landau's this week. So Sunday, I don't know if you remember the weather on Sunday, it was very warm the whole day. And then when the sun started setting around 4.30, 5 o'clock, it dropped. The temperature must have dropped 25 degrees. It got freezing. By the time the last mincha in Landau, everybody was shaking. So it went from very warm to very cold. Okay, so outside of Landau's, there's a lady that collects Tzedakah Nebuch. She got run over a few, like a month, two months ago. She broke both her legs. She's a poor lady. She collects money. And next to her is sitting a poor man. So I'm coming into the last mincha. Last mincha is way after Shkia. It's, uh, I don't know. 5.15, I don't know, it was the last, like a half an hour after Shkia, and I'm coming into Mincha, and I, I gotta make Mincha, and I see this lady, she's sitting like this, she's got a cup out, and she's like shaking, right, and I said to her, um, I don't think you should be sitting out here like this, she goes, well, I, I, it just got so cold all of a sudden, I wasn't prepared, I said, can I make you a hot tea, right, can I make you a hot tea, she, oh, that would be wonderful, no sugar, no milk, you know, she gave me a whole, a whole speech on how to make the tea, okay, fine, the guy next to her, he sees I'm making a tea. He goes, oh, Rabbi, can you do me a favor? I'm like, sure. Can you make me a coffee? I'm like, sure. Okay, two teaspoons of sugar, four cups of milk. I'm like, no problem, no problem, whatever you want, fine. Right, so now I have a problem, though. My question in my head is, what do I do? They're starting ashray. It's the last minion. I don't want to miss ashray in the last minion. I might even miss a Kaddish. But if I dive in the whole minion, it's 15 minutes, which means I mean, these people are going to be shivering for 15 minutes. What do I do? My mincha or they're shivering? And I think to myself, are you crazy? What are you even thinking about? You're going to go stand in front of Hashem. Baruch Hashem, bless you Hashem, right? Rifa'enu, Baruch While these two outside are shivering. What do you think Hashem's going to say? Sure, it'll be Maccabi davening. No problem, let them shiver. So I said to myself, what are, you, what are you even thinking about? So I went, I made the tea, right? I made the coffee, I came outside, I gave it to the two of them. Like, thank you, thank you so much, you know, it was freezing. So I walk into shul, you know, I'm a thinker, sometimes. And I said to myself, Isaac, these two people have been sitting here for the last two hours. And, and the last hour for sure, they're shivering. All the people that walked into Landau's, didn't look at them, shivering, went to Daven Mincha. I don't think their Mincha went anywhere. Because you have these two people shivering at the gate, Shara Shemayim. It's the same Shara Shemayim. This is what, what Yaakov was saying, what's so scary. The same Shara Shemayim in Mincha is outside two poor people shaking because they're cold. It's the same Shara Shemayim. So you have to be just as holy with those people as you have to be with your Mincha. So I'm thinking to myself, all the people went in there to Dami Mincha, Hashem's like, Dami Mincha, when, you have, when I, we have two of my children standing out there freezing, you want me to accept your Mincha? And I think to myself, Oyve, I don't know if any of those Minchas went anywhere. Because... It's their Shara Shemayim, outside the shul and inside the shul. This whole world is Shara Shemayim. And if when you get on a bus, it's Shara Shemayim. It's Beit Elokim. If you don't get up for that old lady that's sitting on the bus, right? You're davening mincha. You're busy sitting in your chair davening mincha. There's an old lady never standing there shaking back. You think your mincha is going to be accepted? So you have to be aware that the whole world is Beit Elokim. The whole world is shul. The whole world is holy. And therefore, how you act in the whole world, how you dress in the whole world, how you talk, 
how you talk to other people, how you act with other people when you're on your cell phone and you're in a store and the person's standing there and you're busy talking and she's waiting to take your food and to, 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 to be the cashier or in a bank and she's waiting for you and you're not paying her any attention. There's Shara Shemayim. That's just as important as going to shul. You have to show her respect. How easy it is to do a mitzvah in this world, but how easy it is to do an Aveira in God's palace, which is based on Kim. So we have to become aware. A person has to become aware. I don't have for There's no question that any person, I'm not a big tzaddik, but I'm always scared, you know, especially by shul. I, I, I look, I'm always scared of what's going on. So I look when these people are sitting there, what's going on. And I, I, I guarantee that any person that went into shul, if they would have seen them shivering, would have made them a tea, would have probably bought them a coat and a sweater and done a lot more than I did. They would have gone to Amazing Savings and, 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 and bought them a, 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 a blanket and a coat, a lot more than I did. So why didn't they? Because everyone's busy. Everyone's on the phone. Their face is in the phone. They're busy on the phone. They're talking to people. Everybody's busy. Anyone would have seen it would have definitely helped them. So, being that we are living on top of the mountain, we are the Jewish nation, we have, we cannot be so busy. We have to see what's going on around us. Because definitely if we see what's going around us, we will help those people. And this was this is what Yaakov Avina woke up and he said, Oy Because he knew where he was laying, he knew this was Har Maria, he knew this was the base Hamidish was, he went back there to Davin, he knew Akeyas Yitzchak was there, but he saw that this ladder, there's a ladder that comes from earth, and where this ladder goes, is to Hashem in Shemayim, this earth is connected, that's scary, we always think, Davening, Shemayim, Aretz, it's what I do, on this world, work, Eating, whatever I do, separate. Shemayim and Aretz are two separate entities. Yaakov had a dream, and he saw, no, the ladder that gets you to, to Shemayim comes from the Aretz. What you do in this world between Ben Adon Chavero, that's what gets you up to the ladder into Shemayim. And he said, that is my Neira Hamakam Ahu. To end, I want to tell you a story about a Gadol. That is exactly what I just told you. Maybe we a beautiful story. So there's a there's a sefer. This is a very famous magid. This is Rabbi Galinsky in Eretz Yisrael, a very famous magid who's still alive. And they took all his a magid means a person who goes around speaking but telling stories. And he tells a story about himself. He must be close to a hundred. He tells the following story. Beautiful, beautiful story. And he says the following story. He said that. When the Germans were capturing Poland, so the Germans were on one side and the Russians were on another side. He said, so all the yeshiva boys all ended up in Vilna. And there was a yeshiva in Vilna. And the famous, famous Gadol Hadar, like the lead tzaddik of the Dar, his name was Rav Chaim Eiser. And the, he was a young boy, Rabbi Galinsky. And he came to get a bracha from Rav Chaim Eiser. He came to get a bracha from the Galah Hadar. So, he said when he got to the house, he said he got there at 11 o'clock in the morning. He said, I didn't sleep a whole night. Why? Because I know when you go to the Galah Hadar, he's going to ask me, what is he going to ask me? How the Yankees are doing? He's going to ask me, what are you learning? His first question is going to be, what are you learning? His next question is going to be, so tell me uh, a Chiddush. Tell me something new when you're learning. And his second, third question is going to be, tell me another Chiddush. 
So before you go to Rosh Hashiva for a bracha or a gadol, you got to make sure you know your Gemara because he's going to ask you, what are you learning? So he stood up, he stayed up a whole night learning Yavamas, right? So he was ready, fine. He comes in, and this is what Rav Chaim Oizer says to him. He says, I have three questions for you. So he's like, oh, I know. What am I learning? What chiddush did I come up with? And what other chiddush did I come up with? And he says the following. He says, my first question is, Masai Kibalta, when was the last time you got a letter from your parents? When was the last time you heard from your parents? This was during the World War II. So he said, I'll tell you the truth. I haven't heard from them in a year because we're separated. They're on the Russian side and we're on the German side. He says, okay. My second question is, do you have a blanket? He said, a place to sleep. He didn't ask him because nobody had a place to sleep. It was sleeping on the benches in the base medrash. But if you wouldn't have a blanket, you would freeze to death. It was freezing. So he asked him, do you have a, do you have a, a blanket? He said, yes, I have a blanket. Okay. He said, good. He said, my third question is, I want to see your shoes. He said, I was embarrassed, but I didn't have a choice. So I pulled up my pants. He said, and of course, my shoes were ripped. The front was open. My toes were showing. He said, but we, I didn't have any money to buy shoes. Immediately, Ephraim Oizer gave him money to buy um, a pair of shoes. And he said, my house, this is the girl Hadar. He said to this young boy, my house is open for you 24 hours. Whatever you need, you come and you ask me whatever you need. He said, so you would think that I would start smiling and I would be happy. He said, I began to cry. And I cried because this Galah Hadar, I studied a whole night that he's going to fahare me on the Gemara. And all he was interested in knowing is how's my shoes? Do I have a blanket that I hear from my parents? He said, I began to cry. I began to cry to sit in front of such a tzaddik. And all he was worried about was, was, was how I was, am I warm? Do I have shoes? Do I know from my parents? He says, these are, good, these are the Gedele Yisrael. The Gedele Yisrael understand that the ladder from Oretz goes to Shemayim and everything in between. And that if you want to reach Shemayim, the ladder is on the Oretz. The ladder is not in Shemayim, the ladder is on the Oretz. The end is Shemayim. And a person needs to know that they have, you have to have both. You have to have the spirituality and the davening and the tehillim and, and, and the tzniyus and, and the spirituality is very, very important. But also your oretz, the things that, the mundane things you do, the schooling and the, and the going to business and the eating food and all these other things that are on the oretz, that's part of the ladder that gets you to Shemayim. That also has to be taken level by level by level by level by level by level up. So here he went to this huge tzaddik, figuring, oh my God, he's going to hear me on all the Gemara. This tzaddik understood that the bottom of the ladder is the human being in this world. Are you freezing? Do you need a tea? Do you need a coffee? Do you need a seat? Do you need a chair? Can I help you? Can I help you cross? That is on the same ladder. This is a ridiculous place, this world. There's Shemaim and there's Oretz and they're connected. And you need to know they're connected and you need to be on that ladder of connection and you need to also not to give up and Chatzashalom ever get off that ladder and even if you fall to the bottom of the ladder you can look up and say but I was once on that 50th step so it's, you're going to be able to run up to that 50th step I've been there before but if someone tells you go up 50 steps I can't I'm going to be out of breath I know I'm not going to be out of breath I did it been there done that so I could start at the 50th step and that's what we have to internalize here tonight we have to internalize that wherever we slipped 
Go back. Don't focus on the slip. Don't focus on where you are now. Focus on where you were. Where you were. How high you got. How long you kept it. Focus on that and then build from there. And then as Rat Hashem... We'll be able to see Hakadosh Baruch Hu on the top of the ladder, and that that Makam Hanera Makam Azer, where he put his head to sleep, will Mir Hashem be the base of Mikdash again. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.